morning. How's everybody doing? Good. You guys wide awake? Had your coffee? No, you missed out on the... We have coffee out in the cafe, so if you don't, if you don't get here in time, they put it away. It's pretty rough. There's no grace for the coffee area, but there's grace for everything else. But anyways, um, hope you guys are well. Um, want to take you through a series that uh, we did with the youth in 2020. It was kind of something I felt like the Lord was taking us through and going to show us. And I, it was with, for them, it was a seven-part series. Over Christmas, I did a one, I did a one-hit wonder <laughs> around Christmas time. And this time, we're going to go back through it. Uh, we're going to do three, a three-segment one. So that way, if you guys hear something that sounds familiar, it's because of that one that I did in Christmas, and this time we get to like take our time and kind of enjoy it for just a few sessions, okay? You guys can handle that? Awesome. So how many of you have seen, uh, it seems like I talk about movies every time I'm up here. I don't watch that many movies. I just kind of act like it. But how many of you have seen Jurassic Park? Anybody seen Jurassic Park in here, right? Like I think that the first Jurassic Park was awesome. I really do. I think it was amazing. I think the second one was, it was okay. I thought the third one was weird. And I just think they progressively, I mean, Chris Pratt, he's a good actor. I know he did a good job with Jurassic World and all that stuff. But at some point, they should probably stop doing Jurassic Park. Like, the island has been destroyed how many times? You know, like, there's only so many times you can go back to Jurassic Park. Like, just blow the whole place up and kill the dinosaurs. Anyways. Um, but I, I loved uh, that movie. And what I loved about the first one was it, it kind of talked a lot about discovery. And I love discovering things. I love going to the beach and looking for shells. And I love walking um, down, like, hiking and trails and finding rocks and different things. And um, so when I was about 15, I was walking down this trail. And it was just a, it was actually my dirt road that we lived on. And I, I found this interesting-looking um, stone, right? And so I leaned down. I kind of wiggled it out and then pulled it. And I was looking. I was like, this is different. This is not your normal rock. Uh, and it really looked like some t type of fossilized bone. But I just thought, well, I'm never going to figure out what this is. And well, I'm going to Venice High School. And one of my teachers said that their friend was a paleontologist. Okay, so my brain light bulb. And I was like, let me go ask this person if they can take this fossil. And they're like, yeah, well, I'll take it to my friend. And, and I'll get back to you about what type of fossil it is. Because I had no idea. So... Uh, next week came by, and I went up to the teacher, and I'm like, hey, I'm like, so what, what type of fossil is, is that? And she's like, I, yeah, he hasn't gotten back to me yet. So this kind of continued the same scenario for about a week, and then two weeks, three weeks. And I mean, we're getting into months now, and I'm sure that the paleontologist took my fossil and made a million dollars and just hit the road, right? Like, I'm positive of it. And so about three months after my teacher comes in, and she's like, Matt, she's like, I have the fossil, and we know what it is. And I was like, what is the fossil? And she said, it is a mastodon bone. And I was like, no way, that's so crazy. What's a mastodon? <laughs> right? And if you don't know what a mastodon is, let, let's see if we, get, we got a picture of it. There we go. Um, so a mastodon is kind of in the elephant family, um, if we're going to compare it to elephants. Um, it, it was in a different era, I think. It kind of bled into the woolly mammoth uh, era, but it was, it's much smaller than the woolly mammoth. It's larger than an elephant. They're roughly three to five tons instead of seven tons, which is what the woolly, woolly mammoth was. 
And um, also, uh, they have different tusks. You can see the tusks look a little different. They have different teeth and their fur or whatever's on them. Some people say it's feathers. Some people say it's fur. I'm not going to get into the debate about what it is. But uh, so they're different, okay? And uh, at the end of it, she was like, look, she's like, I, thanks for letting me take it to my friend. She goes, and I want to apologize. Um, it took a little while for us to figure out what type of bone it was. And I was like, well, why was that? And she said, well, the guy was going from museum to museum to figure out and compare it to other different types of fossils. And really, he had to look at the entire skeleton to figure out what type of bone it was. Um, and I, I said, well, that's, that's no big deal. Um, don't worry about it. Thanks for letting your friend do that. And I'm glad he didn't run off with the fossil. But I, I remember um, thinking about that. And I, when I was thinking about scripture, right, scripture can be kind of like that, right? Like if it's isolated, sometimes a scripture can be very confusing. Have you guys noticed this about scripture? Um, in fact, I don't know if you guys know, um, they have this saying about um, context. Um, if you take the text out of context, you end up with a con. Everybody heard that before? If you take the text out of context, you end up with a con. I'll give you a few scriptures just to kind of illustrate. Job 10.10 10, in the NIV, it said, Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? I have no idea what that's saying. Do you guys? I don't know. We're just going to assume they were making creamer for coffee of some type. Uh, Proverbs 31.6, it says, alcohol is for people who are dying and for those who are in misery. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Don't really know what they're saying. Um, Ezekiel 4.12, it says, very well, he replied, I allow you cow's dung in place of human excrement. Bake your bread on that. So context is key, right? The scripture I want to focus on for the next few weeks is 1 Peter 1:15 through 16. It says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now this scripture has been pulled out of context for years, right? Like I'm, I've heard so many different people talk about this scripture um, and, and really, if it's isolated, this scripture can be kind of confusing, I'll, I'll admit. It can, it can seem like holiness or to be holy is something that we are not, and that, that's something that we need to become. Would you agree? Um, really, to be holy or not to be holy, that is the ice age old question, okay? To be holy or not to be holy, it's the ice age old question. I'm going to have a lot of dad jokes in this series, if you can tell. Um, so what's funny is we sing songs about being holy. Do you guys know there's a lot of songs about um, God being holy? Does everybody know this? Right? In fact, I have a song, and I'd love you guys to sing it along. We've already kind of worked up our vocal cords. There's a song up here. See if you can put it on the screen. Here it is. Okay, you guys know this song? Everybody know it? Let's sing it together. It goes, holy, holy, Louder. Some show. Good. Give yourselves a hand clap. Chris, I'm coming after the job, dude. I got this. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I cannot. Yeah, Chris is like, please. <laughs> um, isn't it interesting how many things... Um, 
that are considered holy, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever thought about how many different things. So there's the Holy Bible, right? You guys have some Holy Bibles in here? They're holy, specifically Holy Bible. Okay, mine's more holy than others. But there's scripture that's holy scripture. Did you guys know that there's scriptures holy? Um, there's also the Holy Spirit. You ever heard of the Holy Spirit? Then uh, there's this cheese that is called, as if you're a little kid, you say you want the holy cheese, uh, which some people call it Swiss, but when you're little, you call it the holy cheese. There's also, if you have the Catholic background, there's holy water, right? I've walked into Catholic churches and they do that. Um, and if you're afraid of vampires, it helps to ward off vampires. Um, and then there's this one thing that paleontologists and scientists are still trying to figure out, and that is, what is the holy moly, right? We still don't know. We're still trying to understand what it is. Um, Really, it seems as though most things in the Bible that are holy had some type of touch or interaction with God. But what I've also noticed is that not too many songs have been written about us being holy, or even the mention of us as believers being holy. And why is that, y'all? It's because it sounds too far, right? It sounds like that is something that we need to you know, we, we got to be careful about saying that Christians are holy because if we say that, like, oh, man, that's a word that's supposed to be reserved for God, and we need to be careful about throwing it about, about holiness, okay? Really, if we, all, but if we were to take those two verses that I talked about and isolate them, you would be left wondering, am I holy or am I not? It's kind of like the little kid that has the flower, and they're saying, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. It's, am I holy? Am I not holy? Am I holy? Am I not holy? Um, but in, and really the question is, what is um, holy? What does that word even mean? And I think in order to know what it is, um, we have to, first, we have to examine the fossil, right? We have to examine this fossil-like scripture that we're talking about. And um, when I examined this, I found out what it wasn't. Sometimes to discover what something is, you must know what it's not. And if you guys are okay with it today, I want to spend the whole time being a bit of a contrarian. You know what a contrarian is? Somebody, I'm, I'm going I'm to kind of play against this and tell us exactly what holiness is not. Okay? Everybody ready? Okay. So 1 Peter 1.15 through 16 it says, be holy because I am holy. Okay, we're going to kind of dissect this. So be holy because I am holy. And if you were to walk up to somebody, right, today, if you were to walk up to somebody on the street and you were to roll your window down, which is a little bit odd in the first place, roll your window down, and then you point at them and you say, be holy, right, what is the first thing that you think that they're going to think about, right? What's the first thing that comes to their mind that you're trying to say? Does anybody know? Not, don't sin, right? Like you see people on the, with the signs on the street, and be holy, you know, for I'm holy. It's, it, the connotation is don't sin, stop sinning. And here's what I want to present to you today is holiness has nothing to do with not sinning. Holiness has nothing to do with not sinning. And some would say that holiness is being set apart from sin. Have you guys heard that definition? It's being set apart from sin. And it's not that this definition is entirely wrong, it's just not quite right. It's like defining light as the absence of darkness, or wealth as the absence of poverty. And um, basically, we've missed the essence of the thing. Truth is, being holy has nothing to do with not sinning. 
And you might say, well, it's a close definition of holiness. Um, that word close is interesting. I would say that close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Okay? Has anybody ever played horseshoes in here? Hopefully we haven't played with hand grenades. But horseshoes, if it gets close, you can count it as a point. All right? Some of you guys are like, horseshoes? What is that? I know. I get it. Um, it only counts with horseshoes or hand grenades. Or some people can compare holiness to, like, repellent. I'm not going to spray this. I'm going to pretend like I'm spraying it so nobody has any allergic. But it's like a repellent. Like, it's going to keep sin off of our lives, off of our lives if we're holy. Um, Hebrews 10.14, check this scripture out. It says, and by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. If he, meaning God, made us perfectly holy, then we are not trying to keep ourselves sinless. No, being holy is not trying to avoid sin. Are you guys with me? It's not trying to stop sinning. It has nothing to do with not sinning. The next point I want to make is holiness is not perfection. It's not perfection. And you might say, this is the contrarian coming out, okay? Well, Matt, Matthew 5.48, it says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is imperfect, right? And the word perfect, I don't know if you've ever looked this up, but the word perfect means complete. It means full-grown. It means whole. And Jesus, when he said that, he was saying, be whole as your Father in heaven is whole. And I've heard good-meaning pastors literally say from the stage, we need to be perfect because our Father in heaven is perfect. As if there's a point that we can arrive where we can gauge that perfectness, right? Like, is that when we die? Is that like halfway there? Are we becoming more perfect? Like, where is this perfection measurement, right? But God didn't create us so we could spend our whole lives trying to see how little we can sin. I mean, could you imagine this, right? Like we all die and we go to heaven. Well, hopefully one at a time, not all at the same time, but we all, we go to heaven, right? And we go through those pearly gates and we look and we see Jesus and we're like, Jesus, hey, like, how's it going? Like, did you see how good I did with not sinning back there? Like, that was pretty good, right? Like, you saw that. I avoided so much sin. And Jesus, I, I can just see his face. He's going to be like, what sin? What are you talking about? Right? He's going to say, chill out and get in here and run on these gold streets. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> but God didn't create us so we could spend most of our lives trying to see how little we can sin. Right? Um, Jesus would say, what sin? So First uh, Peter, uh, it says, be holy because I am holy. And God's not talking caveman talk. We're still talking about mastodons and dinosaurs. I'm really including it all here. But he's not talking caveman talk where he's like, me holy, now you be holy, right? I don't, does that sound like a good caveman? Me be holy, you be holy. <laughs> trying to work it out of there. But in fact, in fact, it's an audacious attitude to think that we can become holy. Not only is that audacious, it's audacious to think that we can keep ourselves holy, okay? Does, it, does that make sense? It's audacious to think that we somehow could have something to do with the process of making ourselves holy, much less keeping ourselves that way. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. It said glory to glory, not unholy to holy. It said glory to glory. That gives us a hint as to where we are on the holiness scale. Have I told you what holiness is? 
Have I told you guys what holiness is? Good, I'm not going to yet. Holiness is not, the next point is, holiness is not a preservation, okay? It's not a preservation. This is what I would call the holiness uh, Tupperware mentality, okay? So let's picture this, all right. So this is us, all right? We're this, this is, we're cute, right? We're the herbivore, we eat the plants, we're this cute little Christian guy, right? And God wants to put us in this holiness, okay? And this is this Tupperware mentality where God would be like, okay, now, like, you stay in there, and you're going to do really good being holy, okay? Don't come out. You're going to do so good. I'm so proud of you. Like, don't lift this lid up if you could, because I'm afraid that your holiness might seep out. There's even the attitude of, okay, so this, let's say this is the center, okay? Well, this, is, this is the picture in our minds that people try to present of this holiness mentality, okay? And so it's like, don't hang out with sinners because if you do, their sin might get on you, okay? This is the carnivore sinner uh, person, okay? So <laughs> you guys are following the thinking here? That's good. Um, but it's like, don't, don't talk to them too much because your sin might come out and their sin might come in. Okay, what's, what's mind-blowing about this is Jesus was a friend of sinners, right? Uh, he said that we are the light of the world. And I have a question for you. How is this good news ever going to get to the whole world if we're only hanging out with people that believe just like we do? My encouragement, you're not going to hear it from too many pulpits. Go hang out with people that make mistakes, as if we are perfect and we're not making any mistakes, right? That's a little confusing to say, well, just stay in this little bubble. But no, we need, in fact, I would, I would recommend that this type of holiness that we need to is we need to take the lid off so that people can see our holiness, right? Because if we got the lid on, ain't nobody going to see nothing, okay? They need to see our holiness. Light is seen. Did you guys know that? Like light, it's seen, right? You see it. And that's the only way people will know and see our good works, right, and glorify our Father in heaven. Let's finish that scripture. Um, is because they're seeing, seeing it. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Hanging around people that sin doesn't unpreserve us and not hanging around people that sin doesn't preserve us longer. It doesn't remove the lid off our holiness and holiness seeps out. If anything, it takes a lid off so people can see our holiness. Y'all doing okay with my contrariness? If not, that's okay. Another thing that holiness is not, okay? Holiness is not a destination. It's not something where we eventually arrive to become. Did you guys hear me? It's not something where we eventually arrive to become. It's not something we are on our way towards. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Like, I've left the building, but I have not arrived, okay? That's not the holiness that I'm talking about. Um, but Matt, Hebrews 12, 14, it says, try to live and pursue peace. It says the word pursue. In quite a few translations, it says that word pursue. Pursue peace with all men and try to live free from sin. Pursue holiness and sanctification for anyone whose life is not holy or sanctified will never see the Lord. And what's bothersome about this translation, okay, and a, quite a bit of the translations, is the word pursue was never originally in this verse. Uh, the word pursue has the connotation of chasing something, right? And here's what I want you to know is we are not chasing holiness. 
We're not even chasing God. If anything, God is chasing us. His holiness is chasing us. Who he is is chasing our lives. Now, the one thing I can agree in this translation that's accurate is holiness and sanctification, they mean the same thing. They're synonymous, right? That you can look throughout Scripture and you can see um, that they're interchangeable throughout all of Scripture. And we'll talk about more of that next week. We'll talk more about sanctification and holiness, but they are the same. They mean the same thing. Now, the word pursue in this verse, if you just go to King James Version, which some people would say it's the, the most Christian translation, I don't know. But the word pursue in King James, it says the word follow, right? It has the word follow. So let me read it to you. Hebrews 12, 14, it says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. That word follow means parakulatheo, let's say that three times, which means to investigate. It means to fully know. It means to have an understanding. So to follow one as to always be by his side, right? We need to fully know that we're holy. We need to be without question that we are holy in this world, right? We need to have a better understanding of how, we, how holy we actually are. In fact, if you guys remember the verse I gave a few weeks ago, 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, study to show thyself, yourself, that you are approved, a workman unto God who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, okay? So if we are approved, the only journey we might be on is to better understand how holy we already are. That would be the only journey to a destination is understanding more of how holy we are. You guys doing okay? Um, um, so holiness is not sin avoidance. It's not perfection. It's not preservation. And it's not a destination. And the last thing that holiness is not is holiness is not a motivation, okay? It's not a motivation. When Peter said, be holy, he wasn't dangling a carrot out in front of us saying, come on, you can be holy. You got this. Good boy. Yep, 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 yep. Be holy. Oh, oh, you're doing so good. Oh, you're doing good. Oh, there you go. There you go. Good. You were holy on that one. Good job right? That's not Peter. That's not God's mentality is trying to tease us so that we'll be more holy, okay? Uh, holiness, if holiness and sanctification are synonymous, right? Then the, and what I've heard is there's two types of sanctification. Remember, I'm being contrary on this, okay? This is not truth. But they'll say that there's two types of sanctification. There's an inward sanctification that's on the inside, and we have been made holy, that our inner self has been set apart for a specific purpose, and then once that's established in your life, right, there's a second type of sanctification is what you'll hear. There's an outward sanctification that, yes, the inward has happened, but it's really up to us to bring the inward outward in order to be sanctified on the outside. And here's what I'll say. To think that you can be holy inside, and then it's up to us to be holy on the outside, is a big pile of Mastodon dung. Everybody okay? Bake your bread on that. Okay? <clears throat> there are only... I had to tie that one in there. There are only a few reasons I could ever think we could become more holy in our own strength. I've really thought about it. 
there's only a few reasons that we could do this, okay? Number one is it sounds good. It sounds really good, doesn't it? Like to be holy as I am holy. That sounds like a good thing to do. I mean, everybody wants to be holy. There's nothing wrong with that. Like that would make sense. It sounds spiritual. It sounds like, and I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I've been in prayer and I've read my Bible and you can feel the presence of the Lord. But just because we feel that doesn't mean that we're more holy because we spent time with God, right? We, we actually, well, I'm not going to get into that until ne- next week, but our holiness is not based off of a feeling. The second reason why I would come up with why we think we could become holy in our own strength is it's what's familiar. It's what's familiar. It's what we've heard over time. How many of you guys have heard some of these scriptures I'm talking about, about being holy, about the fact that we can become more holy than we already are? And the third reason that I, that I believe that why we think that we could do this is the law of similarity. You guys ever heard of the law of similarity? It's kind of, it's kind of under the law of association, and I'll explain what this is. Okay, the, the definition of the law of similarity is the grouping law that states that elements that are similar to each other tend to be perceived as a unified group. I'll explain. How many of you guys have ever been swimming in a pool? Anybody ever swam in a pool, right? Like, we're doing good, yeah. Just making sure you guys are awake. Um, we've, we've swam in a pool before, right? And, and I know we don't do this as adults. This was only when we were kids and we were immature. Now we're mature and we don't think this way, okay? But I've been that kid where, like, you're swimming and everybody else gets out of the pool. And magically, a shark comes out of the jet, okay, of the pool, and you're positive that that shark is going to bite your leg off. And then you get out of the pool real fast, and your mom's looking at you, and you're like, what's going on? You're like, well, I I was just getting out because I was nervous about drowning. But really, you were sure that there was going to be a shark that was going to bite your leg off. Why? Because you were in water, and you were by yourself, and you've seen too many Jaws movies, and you're just positive that there are somehow sharks in the pool. Okay, We'll, we'll take it a step further. Maybe we're, we're not the pool person. Maybe we're really mature, and that's not how we think. Maybe you were the person that's been in the ocean or in the Gulf, and you stepped on something slimy, okay, or slippery, and you yell, shark, there is a shark. I just stepped on a shark. Everybody out of here. Like, I know it was a shark. You didn't see anything, <laughs> but you're positive that whatever slimy thing you stepped on was a shark, Right? Now, here's what I'll tell you is, if you stepped on a shark, those things have teeth, and more than likely, you would have felt him bite you, okay? (laughs) So, I hate to tell you, just because you thought that didn't mean it was, right? And that's this whole law of similarity. And the same, and I can tell you, it's easy to see why we would think that being holy would relate to us acting holy. Like, I can see why the thought process would be there. It makes sense, right? Like, well, be holy. Well, like, be more like God. So, therefore, I got to act holy, and I got to do these things to be like God. I can see why that is. Same way with sanctification. Well, sanctification sounds like a real spiritual word that nobody knows about. Like, it's just confusing. Like, what is that word? But if you realize it means the same thing as holy, and you put those things together, it's not so spiritual sounding, Right? And, and like I said, it's audacious to think that we could make ourselves more holy or more sanctified or more like God. Um, I love what Andrew Farley said. He said, God didn't set us up to think 
that we're right with him, but we're not righteous. We're holy, but we're not holy. We're in the best seat in the house, but not really. We're sorry, we're not sorry. We're eternally okay, but God can't really stand us until we clean ourselves up. Can you see how this thinking can be kind of confusing? Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, holiness is not something we are called upon to do in order that we may become something. It is something we are to do because of what we already are. I'll say that again. Holiness is not something we are called upon to do in order that we may become something. It is something we are to do because of what we already are. I want to read to you guys real quick. Um, I'll have you stand, but we sang that song, Reckless Love, this morning. You guys remember singing it? Um, if not, I'll read it to you. Uh, but it said, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. When, when I was your foe, uh, still your love fought for me. You, you have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down fights till I'm found, leaves the 99, and, it, um, and I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. And here's what I'll let you know is, if God is so reckless, like he's not a reckless person, but his love is reckless towards us, do you think he would hold his holiness back from us? Like, do you think he would, he, he's going to give you everything, right? He said, if your earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their kids, how much more am I going to give you, right? I want you to know, that's the kind of God, that's the kind of dad that we know is uh, how much more kind of God. I'll tell you a quick story as we close, too. Um, just, yeah, I was driving, and I forgot about this story, um, but it was an interesting. Um, I remember me and my little sister, Veronica, uh, we used to go on hikes. I'm telling you about hikes. It's the same neighborhood where, where I found the, uh, the fossil. But I remember we were walking through the woods, and she accidentally stepped on um, a yellow jacket hive. Do you guys know what yellow jackets are? They, they're the, like the worst ones to mess with. Um, I don't think their stingers really come out and they can just sting and sting and sting, right? And so um, I turned around, and I mean, it was just a split second. I turned around and when I saw her, it looked like a tornado of yellow jackets going around her, right? And uh, it, I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, she probably should have ran or something, but I could... I could tell she needed to be rescued, okay? And I'm not bragging on myself, but I just ran in and picked her up and scooped her, and I think we ran for like two miles, and those yellow jackets were still chasing us, right? Still trying to sting us. And, and I thought about it um, this morning as I was driving. Like, I didn't even notice that I was being stung. I didn't even notice. I don't even remember after it was all said and done ever being like, man, I'm all stung. But I had quite a few stings myself, right? Like, I was... I was pretty bruised up and pretty painful. Um, but I didn't have an option, right? Like I didn't even think twice. I didn't think, oh, let me evaluate the situation. Let me make sure the bees aren't going to get me and I got to make sure I'm safe. No, I just literally went all in, picked her up and then just ran. It was reckless, 
right? And I picture God being that way, right? Like he sees us in the state that we're in, in the world, and he just came in and he just recklessly grabbed us and ran out, right? And that's what I picture for us with this holiness thing. Like he's not going to hold something back that we need in our lives. He's not going to be holy and then keep us from that. Okay, when God said be holy, he wasn't saying avoid sin at all cost, shoot for perfection. He wasn't saying stay preserved. He wasn't saying holiness is a destination. He wasn't dangling a carrot to motivate us to be holy. So why would Peter tell us to be as holy and not just holy, but as holy as God? Have I told you guys what holiness is yet? I'm not going to yet either something we'll talk about next week. Why don't you guys stand up with me? I just want you guys to know, I, I don't know why I even, I, I just picture that as God. God was reckless. when he. I mean, if you think about the situation when he came down to earth and he paid the price, I mean, it was, it was wild. It was a wild story that has changed the world forever. Right? And changed our lives forever. And I think None of us will ever be the same because of it. But that's the God we serve, and that's how he is towards us. And I just want you to know God is somebody that doesn't want to hold anything back. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're seeing in your life, he loves you. He cares about you. He's walking with you shoulder to shoulder. You're not chasing after him. He's chased after you. He's hopefully chased you down, and you've just said, God, your love is so big, I cannot handle anything else but that my life and I surrender to you. Let me pray over you guys. Father, I thank you, God, for everybody that's in here. I speak life over each one. God, any situation that we're going through, God, I thank you, God, that you have provided a way, God. You've opened the door for us to be able to get out of that situation, God, or you've given us comfort and strength to be able to do what we need to do. And I speak life over each person. I speak truth over each person. I thank you, God, as we hear your truth, God, we are set free and that you're speaking to people beyond my words. I thank you, God, that you are giving them wisdom for their own lives and they're able to use it and walk with it in the daily. And we trust in you for who you are. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen and amen. Thank you guys for coming this morning. Thank you all for coming this morning. We love you. Uh, hope you guys have a, a great week. We'll be praying for you. Um, if, if you came prepared to give, uh, we do have offering boxes on the back. If you're first time here, uh, make sure to fill that little card out, and we'd love to get to know you and who you are. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Amen. Amen.